1: That's audible.com slash WonderyPod, or text WonderyPod to 500, 500
2: It's Sunday, November 24th. I'm Margaret Brennan in the nation's capital, and this is Face the Nation.
3: Raise your right hand, I will begin by swearing you in.
2: A whirlwind week of congressional hearings concludes, and both sides dig in for even more political fireworks as debate begins on whether or not to proceed with a vote on articles of impeachment. But what will those articles be if they do? And what's the president's defense? We'll map out what's ahead with counselor to the president, Kellyanne Conway, and the number two Democrat on the Intelligence Committee, Connecticut Congressman Jim Himes. We'll also hear from a Republican on the committee that will write those articles, North Dakota's Kelly Armstrong.
1: And now he's taking on him.
2: Plus, former New York mayor Michael Bloomberg spends at least $34 million on ads in more than two dozen states to announce he's joining the race.
3: Mike Bloomberg intends to make good.
1: Jobs creator, leader, problem solver, Mike Bloomberg for president. I'm Mike Bloomberg, and I approve this message.
2: We'll talk with our panel of legal experts, then look at the highs and lows in politics and the rest of the news this week, just ahead on Face the Nation. Good morning and welcome to Face the Nation. We have a lot to get to today, but we will begin with some breaking news. Michael Bloomberg is officially joining the presidential race. Our Ed O'Keefe is at the Washington Bureau. Ed, uh, the slogan, according to the website, is Rebuild America. What do you think the entry of this billionaire entrepreneur into the race will
4: be? Well, for one thing, it pumps a lot more money into this race. The fact that he's going to spend at least $34 million across dozens of states to run an ad over the next week or so to introduce himself not in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada, but in places like Florida, New York, Illinois, uh, several southern states as well. Because he's going to take aim instead of those early states at the Super Tuesday states that vote in early March, believing that he has no chance at this point to build or formidable operation in those early areas, and instead wants to sell himself basically to the rest of the country. And he'll be essentially waiting out whoever emerges from those first four states, at least that's his hope, and we'll be able to confront them come Super Tuesday. But he enters the race as a moderate, as someone who is concerned about uh, the direction of the Democratic Party and certainly the direction of the country. And he's making good on something, Margaret, as you and I know very well, that he's thought about doing since at least 2008.
2: And this time he's pulling the trigger and getting in. Uh, we've seen the ad. Um, We know that Senators Warren and Senators Sanders have been very harshly critical of Bloomberg's wealth um, and sort of characterized him as buying his way into a race without a grassroots movement. And it struck me in watching his ad, uh, this particular line, it seemed to be a nod to them.
3: The wealthy will pay more in taxes and the middle class get their fair share. Everyone without health insurance can get it and everyone who likes theirs keep it.
4: That's right. It absolutely did. Um, And, and, you know, they see him as a convenient foil uh, for their ongoing push against the wealthy and big corporations in this country. You know, Tom Steyer, the philanthropist, has been in this race but hasn't really made much of an impact. Bloomberg will immediately draw far more attention. And in that ad, you notice he says that he would support health care if you like what you have right now or essentially provide a public option that puts him uh, to the right of Warren and Sanders, probably more in line with Joe Biden, believing that instead of ripping up the Affordable Care Act, it should be built out. Uh, so he will continue to make this sort of centrist push, believing that uh, what, what Sanders and Warren are suggesting is not good for the country and certainly not good for the Democratic Party in the short term. And, and we'll see sort of how Sanders and Warren use his entry now as a potential argument for their candidacy instead.
2: Mm-hmm. And you mentioned at the top sort of the, the different strategy of this campaign and political junkies know the whole sort of model of the early caucus states, etc. But what is unique about this? I mean, is Bloomberg essentially buying his way in as he's being accused, but in a way that is uh, perhaps more effective, more sort of Trumpian?
4: Yeah, that that'll be the argument that some Democrats make for sure. He is he is buying his way in in this sense, in that he is immediately getting himself on the air, building out a pretty significant operation because he can afford to do it. He's worth about 52 billion dollars, and it sounds like he's putting up at least 150 million at the start. 150 million at the start. Uh, What will be interesting about this, voters will tell us pretty quickly whether they can tolerate having somebody like this in the race or whether they're intrigued by it. One in five Democrats in our recent Battleground Tracker poll said they would take a look at him as a possible candidate. And a third said they don't know enough about him. So this advertising campaign very quickly could help fill out his story a little bit. But what it will do more than anything, Margaret, for those of us who follow this and I think are intrigued by this late entry, is load test the theory that you can bypass those first four states and still be competitive. Rudy Giuliani has tried this in the past. Other Democrats got in late thinking that it would work for them, but they didn't have the resources. Bloomberg does, and he also has some goodwill with Democrats. Remember, this is somebody who has pushed strongly for gun control Mm -hmm. in this country, who has helped bankroll big Democratic campaigns in big states and for congressional candidates across the country. Likely going to make an impact very early on.
2: Absolutely. Ed O'Keefe will be tracking just what that impact is, no doubt. And we turn now to impeachment. After 30 hours of televised testimony and with more than 3,900 pages of depositions released publicly so far, the question resonating through Washington and beyond is what's next in the impeachment proceedings against President Trump? We begin today with a look at what we learned last week. First, the case against Mr. Trump. Republican fundraiser turned ambassador to the European Union, Gordon Sondland, was the most anticipated witness. He told Congress that the president instructed him to work with Rudy Giuliani to convince Ukraine to investigate former Vice President Joe Biden and his son Hunter.
3: Mr.
1: Giuliani's requests were a quid pro quo for arranging a White House visit for President Zelensky. Was there a quid pro quo? The answer is yes.
2: But the yeah. president saw yes. this Reference part of text. Sondland's testimony
1: as vindication.
3: Well, the quid pro quo you were discussing was over the aid, correct?
1: No. President Trump, when I asked him the open-ended question, what do you want from Ukraine? His answer was I want nothing,
2: and it. quoted That's from the it. hearing to declare the inquiry Ready? over. You have the cameras rolling? I want nothing. That's what I want from Ukraine. That's what I said. I want nothing. I said it twice. Other witnesses, including former White House Russia expert Fiona Hill, said they were alarmed when they learned of Sondland's efforts.
5: Because he was being involved in a domestic political errand. And we were being involved in national security foreign policy. And those two things had just diverged. I did say to him, Ambassador Sondland, Gordon, I think this is all going to blow up. And here we are. State Department aide David
2: Holmes recounted Sondland's phone call with the president in a Ukrainian restaurant.
6: So you heard
0: President Trump ask Ambassador Sondland, is he going to do the investigation? Yes, sir. What was Ambassador Sondland's response?
3: He said, oh yeah, he's going to do it. Uh, He'll do anything you ask.
2: Dr. Hill also stressed that the president's continued suggestion that Ukraine, not Russia, was responsible for the 2016 leak of emails that embarrassed the Clinton campaign was dangerously wrong.
5: This is a fictional narrative that has been perpetrated and propagated by the Russian security services themselves.
0: Is it your understanding then that President Trump disregarded the advice of his senior officials about this theory and instead listened to Rudy Giuliani's views?
2: That appears to be the case, yes. Conclusions from each side predictably fell along partisan lines. Republicans said Democrats failed to make a compelling case against the president.
0: An impeachable offense should be compelling... Overwhelmingly clear and unambiguous, I've not heard evidence proving the president
3: committed bribery or extortion.
2: Democrats saw it differently.
3: And in my view, there is nothing more dangerous than an unethical president who believes they are above the law. And I would just say to people watching here at home and around the world, in the words of my great colleague, we are better than that. Adjourned.
2: Uh, we're joined now with Counselor to the President, Kellyanne Conway. Good morning to you, Kellyanne. Good morning, Margaret. Um, we, right off the top, talked about Michael Bloomberg getting into this race. Uh, what do you think the 77-year-old billionaire joining means for the field? It
7: means that the Democratic field is underwhelming, even to someone like Michael Bloomberg. There are 18 Democrats still running for president of the United States, Margaret, with probably another 10 or 12 already dropped out of the race. And it's Michael Bloomberg coming in saying, I don't think any of you can beat Donald Trump. For all the talk about electability, that's a fiction. You don't know if somebody can or can't win until they do or don't. The the real way that you win is through the Electoral College, which we proved in 2016. So I think Bloomberg's play here is to ignore those early states And focus on Super Tuesday. That was supposed to be a play for someone like Kamala Harris to go in and really make big gains in California. She's all her candidacy is all but deflated. But I will say a couple things about Michael Bloomberg. His his new ad that he'll put millions behind is all unicorns and rainbows. Keep your health care if you'd like to. And if you don't, I've got something better for you. Let's rebuild America. Um, Number one, we heard that. From Obama Biden and Obama Biden Care passed almost ten years ago, and as we sit here today, over twenty eight million Americans have no health insurance of any kind.
2: So you're happy so, to run against? Them, well, we're million. ready. How's that?
7: I think that President Trump will be ready. The other thing is that um, Michael Bloomberg is saying rebuild America. America already elected a builder. If we want to truly rebuild America, then the people who work behind us for you and me ought to get infrastructure done. Surface transportation and air traffic control system that was built for 100,000 annual passengers. We now have close to a billion. Uh, so th- we have a builder in the White House who wants them to do what Nancy Pelosi said she'd do this fall. It's almost Christmas, which is past that UMCA, which would be more jobs mm-hmm. like he's talking. Look, Michael Bloomberg was a great mayor of New York City. I live there under Rudy Giuliani and, and, and Michael Bloomberg. All four of my kids were born in New York when Michael Bloomberg was mayor. I wish he'd be mayor of New York City again. <laughs> but if he's going to jump, if he's i going yep. to jump in. I think the most important thing to note is not just does the country have an appetite for a billionaire is going to throw that money around the way right. billionaire Trump never did. We were under resourced and understaffed at the Trump campaign, and we sh- and Hillary Clinton's campaign showed the fastest way to make a small fortune is to have a very large one and waste most of it. It's not that Michael Bloomberg sh- may not be unwelcome by the national electorate. Is he welcome in his own Democratic Party? You've got the front runners saying that we don't want any billionaires in the country, let alone in the Democratic primary.
2: Well, I want to get on to uh, what is happening here in Washington with this week of hearings. Um, The president has said, he wants a trial in the Senate, but then others at the White House say they're not even sure Democrats will move ahead with impeachment. What exactly are you preparing for?
7: We're preparing for both eventualities, and here's why, Margaret. If, we, if it does go to a trial in the Senate, and that is not certain right now, you've got a lot of Democrats wringing their hands that they did not see, as Will heard, a moderate Democrat, uh, excuse me, a moderate Republican who's retiring this year, said he did not see overwhelming, compelling, clear, and convincing evidence. Many of those Democrats, especially the ones who represent the 31 Trump-Pence districts from 16, they have to go back home and say, I know I promised to lower your drug prices. I know I promised to keep this great o- economy going on. I know promised trade deals like USMCA, but we're busy impeaching a president. And they're getting blowback for that. So I think for those Democrats, there it's not completely certain yet. Some of them have actually gone on the record saying, I'm not there yet. I have to see what the articles Mm -hmm. say and what the report is. But we know what they didn't see this over 12 witnesses in two weeks of testimony in over 30 hours. They didn't hear anybody say when they were asked bribery, no extortion, no quid pro quo for the aid. No preconditions for meeting. Did the president commit a crime? No, no, no. Every time the closest they got to it was someone in his prepared remarks Mm -hmm. saying he thought there was a quid pro quo for a meeting, right. um, they had the meeting on September 22nd in, in, in New York. And also the aid went to Ukraine earlier than that. Right. So they got their aid. They've got javelins and cyber rifles. The Ukrainian policy under President
2: Trump is better than it was previously. And Ukraine mm-hmm. has more aid. So Sondland, you mentioned there, who, who testified, Uh, he he laid out a few different things there. But I'm wondering, you know, he serves the pleasure of the president. Is he going to keep his job despite testifying against him? He flew
7: right back to Brussels, Belgium. I don't know that he testified against the president. Again, I need to uh, remind the viewers that when Sondland was, when Ambassador Sondland was asked by Adam Schiff, who I guess was waiting for a different response, uh, so the quid pro quo was for the aid and silence said, no, the quid pro quo was for a meeting or a statement. Ambassador Volker separately testified. They abandoned the whole idea of making a statement to focus on the aid. That was very smart because Ukraine got its aid. Margaret, we simply can't impeach and remove a Democratic elected president from office because you didn't beat him. They didn't beat him in 2016. They haven't a clue how to beat him in 2020. They don't much like him. And I think that in the, if there is a Senate trial, we'll be able to, that'll be more familiar to most Americans. This process is unfamiliar to them, where the president can't even witnesses. have, there'll be witnesses. The president couldn't even have his own attorneys in there. Um, that's that's not very fair to the quote defendant. But I think defense will go on offense if there is a Senate trial, and they'll be, we'll be able to call witnesses, we'll be able to challenge their witnesses, mm-hmm. produce other evidence. And those witnesses may include the whistleblower. And I would say his attorney, because his attorney, Mark Zaid, had an email
2: or a text right. 10 days after inauguration saying the coup begins now impeachment. The, uh, the whistleblower's attorney there. Well, I want to get to something that we talked about in the top of the show. Um, the president gave an extended interview on Fox on Friday, and he said once again that They, meaning Ukraine, have the server from the Democratic National Committee. Fiona Hill, the Russia expert formerly of the Trump White House, said this is something that's propagated by Russian security services. It's false narrative. 60 Minutes is going to have a report tonight uh, on election hacking in 2016. And Bill Whitaker uh, spoke to the man in charge of the DOJ investigation. Take a listen.
3: Frankly, I think the public is kind of confused because we hear you, one arm of the government, saying it's the Russians. We hear another part of the government saying maybe the Russians, maybe somebody else, we don't know. So what are we to believe? Is it the Russians, is it not?
0: Well, our uh, indictment spells out what it is, uh, the evidence that we have uh, has shown, which is it was the Russians who were uh, behind the hacking and dumping of the, uh, the Democratic campaign. In 2016. No doubt. We could prove it beyond a reasonable doubt.
2: Why doesn't the president believe his own Justice Department and intelligence experts? But the president has said
7: he accepts that, but also there are plenty of ways to interfere in an election. And respectfully, if we're doing this, we're back to Mueller. But he was specifically talking about the DNC. But if we're sober. doing this, we're back to Mueller. And we've already spent two and a half years and $35 million taxpayer dollars for a Mueller report that was produced in... March was a big bomb. Mueller testimony in July, a bigger bomb. And if we're going to go back to that, I think it exposes what didn't happen on Capitol
2: Hill this but week. But you know that, that CrowdStrike, that firm that the president keeps bringing up, is it, based here in the United States. It's a publicly traded firm. It's, in fact, been hired by Republicans so here's, since here, that time. But here's what I would say, and, and I'm glad you mentioned
7: this, because the July 25th call, Margaret, the transcript of which the whole world has had access to, the president clearly lays out what's on his mind. It's the day after Mueller testifies. Okay. And then the president looks at it as his turn. He wants to get to the bottom of what happened in 2016. And certainly to avoid that in the future, look, we have done a great deal in our White House across our administration to secure our elections Mm -hmm. in the future. And we agree with that. But I also don't want, I don't want the impeachment process. I don't want members of the mainstream media, which don't include you, to interfere in the 2020 election the way they tried in the 2016 election. She's going to win. He has 0% chance of winning. That's a different kind of interference. And that's dangerous too. Speaking of the polls very quickly, the independents have totally changed. A month ago, just in late October, they were in favor by 15 points, including to national polls, of impeaching the president. It now has flipped 49 percent against, 34 percent for. So these Democrats who are in charge of the hearings don't represent the swing districts. They have to look at the polls and say there's no appetite to impeach and remove this president.
2: Well, we're going to talk to one of those Democrats uh, who's on the House Intelligence Committee ahead. But we're going to first take a break. Don't go away.
8: Have you ever covered a carpet stain with a rug, ignored a leaky faucet, pretended your half painted living room is supposed to look like that? Well, you're not alone. We've all got unfinished home projects, but there's an easier way. When you download Thumbtack, it's easier to care for your home from top to bottom. Pull out your phone and in just a few steps, you can search, chat and book highly rated pros right in your neighborhood. Plus, you'll know what to tackle next because Thumbtack is the app that shows you what to do, who to hire and when. So say goodbye to all those unfinished home projects and say hello to caring for your home the easier way. Download Thumbtack and start a project today.
2: We're back now with a top Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee, Congressman Jim Himes. He joins us from his district in Stanford, Connecticut. Good morning to you, Congressman. Uh, you, you heard the White House case is laid out by Kellyanne Conway. Um, is there a chance that the House actually doesn't move ahead with impeachment?
9: Um. Yeah. Case is an interesting way to put what Kellyanne Conway just did. I was keeping pretty close track and I'm pretty sure that every single one of her assertions uh, was inaccurate. Let me give you the big example and then I'll come back around to your question. She said, hey, nothing happened here. The aid was released and the meeting happened. Now, you could look this up because I understand that the White House is all about making facts slippery. But both of those things happened. The aid was released and the meeting happened, not in the Oval Office, but the aid was released and the meeting happened after they were caught, after September 9th, when the Inspector General of the Intelligence Community came to Congress and said there's this whistleblower complaint. And the White House, by the way, had seen that complaint. So when the jig was up, yes, then the aid was released once they were caught. But um, she's also wrong, just to get back to your question, uh, I haven't spoken to all 240 or so of my colleagues. But um, but I don't think any Democrat in the Congress looked at what happened over the last two weeks and said, "Gosh, there's nothing there." Much to the contrary, like the American public that was paying attention, my colleague saw an ambassador fired for corrupt purposes, saw aid being held up. And by the way, you know, she, yeah. uh, Kellyanne Conway may quibble about um, about what Sondland said. The chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, said there was a quid pro quo, and we should get over it. So no, there's not a Democrat who watched the last two weeks and said, gosh, this is a weaker case than I thought it was.
2: So there are no scheduled hearings left. What, what is left to investigate? The case doesn't seem to be closed. Well, you know,
9: it's a little bit of a hard question to answer because, you know, again, whether you're Kellyanne Conway or Jim Himes, one thing is true, which is, is that every single day and every single piece of testimony brought up new information. It might have been Laura Cooper who came to us. And the first thing she said was, look, I know the administration is saying the uh, Ukrainians didn't know about this until late August, something that Kellyanne Conway repeated this morning. But she came to us in open testimony and said, my office was actually queried by the Ukrainians in July. And I tell you that story because uh, whether it's that or Bill Taylor appearing Mm -hmm. and saying, oh, my gosh, there was this phone call that was overheard where the president asked about the investigations every single day provides new and incriminating evidence. So it's a little hard to tell you that this thing is done. Um, Look, the thing we need, uh, before we get into talking to Pompeo or Giuliani or anybody else, we need the emails and the paperwork that we have subpoenaed from the State Department and from the White House so we can look at what people actually said to each other. That's the critical thing here.
2: Um, As far as we know, there's no intention of handing them over. Are you in talks to actually have them deliver?
9: Well, we are. We're pressing. And and look, this is another thing that we... You think you will get those documents released? I don't know. Look, it's the decision of the White House and the decision of the Secretary of State. But the American people need to consider... What is involved in the future if the president and the State Department can just tell Congress to go get lost? That about, ends oversight. That ends the separation of powers, and that's a very scary thing.
2: Uh, Chairman Schiff said this morning that the committee is talking to Lev Parnas. He is one of the indicted associates of Rudy Giuliani. Um, how far along is that? Do you think you need to hear from him?
9: Well, um, <laughs> Again, um, I think it will be very interesting to hear what he has to say, because, of course, he was wrapped up in the other half of this that we don't know a lot about, which is what the heck Rudy Giuliani was doing in Ukraine. Obviously, Rudy Giuliani, private citizen affiliated with the president, was instrumental in firing an extraordinary public servant, Marie Yovanovitch. Uh, So I think Lev Parnas can shed some light on the whole unseemly uh, activity that, uh, that, that Giuliani was up to in the Ukraine.
2: Well, and his attorney says he, he would be willing to talk to your committee. Um, one of the other things that his attorney has told news organizations like The Washington Post and CNN is that the ranking Republican on House intelligence, Devin Nunes, was in contact and trying to dig up dirt in Ukraine on Joe Biden. Uh, is this a credible allegation? Is this something you're going to investigate?
9: Well, so if you watch Devin Nunes for five minutes in these hearings, you know that he has given over to the utterly to the defense of the president and more importantly, to the propagation of fantastical conspiracy theories like this notion that the president keeps pushing that the CrowdStrike uh, company, which apparently is a Ukrainian uh, company, despite the fact, as you pointed out, it's actually a California based company. Um, Devin Nunes has given himself over to the search for and propagation of wild conspiracy theories which, by the way, at their source are about Russian intelligence. So, this whole Ukrainian meddling in the election of 2016 has zero evidence for it, and it is deliberately mm-hmm. propagated by the Russian state in order to create confusion. So is it credible? And I, look, I, I don't know what happened on that trip. But the allegation is that Devin Nunes used federal funds to fly himself right. and a couple of uh, staffers over there in the search of dirt on uh, dirt on Biden. That's actually what the president is accused of doing, misusing public dollars for a political purpose. Look, I haven't seen evidence one way or the other, but mm-hmm. obviously Mr. Parnas may be able to cast some light on that.
2: Well, uh, we will see what happens. Some of your colleagues have called for the Ethics Committee to investigate. We'll have to leave it there, though. And stay with us for more Face the Nation.
7: That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable.
2: Ah. Welcome back to Face the Nation. We turn now to North Dakota Congressman Kelly Armstrong. He's on the Judiciary Committee, which is where the impeachment process is headed next. Congressman... Welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, as we said, you're on the committee where this process moves to next. Do you have any indication on what the timeline is and and what this is going to look like as those articles of impeachment are drafted?
10: I don't. And I think we, um, as we continue to move forward, I think the one thing that is true is that the Democrats are going to lose more and more control over this. I mean, at some point in time, Democrats are going to have to um, enforce some of the rules they pass in their own legislation. But uh, regardless of how you feel about this, this has been the most narrowly tailored and controlled thing by Chairman Schiff, both in the depositions, which I was a part of, and in the intelligence committee. But as it moves over over to the judiciary committee, they're going to lose more and more of that control, and for sure, Meaning if what?
2: It,
10: just there are rules where the president gets to have his lawyer and, and those types of things. Now I get a little concerned about those because with all of those rules, uh, the chairman has, has absolute veto power. But if they continue down this place, eventually it's going to end up in the Senate, and they're going to go there. And I think it's important. Um, they were talking about the, po- uh, the poll numbers this morning with Emerson. And mm-hmm. there's a Vanity Fair article out that I think is probably the most important. And that is 62 percent of independents think that impeachment's more inter- important to politicians. Sixty one percent think it's more important to the media. So when you come from a state like mine and you continue to work through all of these things, I just don't think that it, as a political exercise, I don't think it right. has been a success for the Democrats over the last two weeks.
2: Uh, okay, so put the political exercise uh, apart from this and in terms of what you actually heard testified to. Um, someone whose name came up repeatedly was Rudy Giuliani and federal prosecutors we now know are investigating his activities in Ukraine. Are you comfortable with somebody who's not working for the U.S. government being this involved in foreign policy? I think
10: your regular channels have been used a lot and I've said this from day one. One of the reasons President Trump got elected is because he does things very differently. You know, Do you whether- know what
2: Rudy Giuliani was tasked with doing?
10: I don't. I, I mean, he was working through all of those things and working towards because Gordon out and corruption. Gordon t-
2: testified that it was Rudy Giuliani who was carrying out the quid pro quo and that it was the president who told him to work with Rudy Giuliani.
10: Gordon Sondland testified that that was his assumption and the third third different testimony he gave because Gordon Sondland has given three different versions of the event, but when pressed on it by Republicans on the committee, he said that he never directly heard any of those things and it was only assumptions he was making.
2: Well, he did testify on May 23rd that the president told him to work directly with Giuliani. But um, Ambassador Volcker who I know uh, Republicans point to his testimony, as Kellyanne Conway just did. Um, he testified that it was Rudy Giuliani who was feeding President Trump this very negative view of Ukraine. And in fact, uh, he was listening to that more than his own Intelligence experts. Does that concern you?
10: Well, I don't think that's entirely true. I mean, Roll Call was covering Ukraine's involvement. Um, Politico was covering it. And before you get into any of those things, the president has said, I mean, we know actively that Ukrainian government officials were actively campaigning against the president in the 2016 election. He was very clear this president is skeptical of foreign aid. He was skeptical of the.
2: Um, You're talking about people who were no longer in the Ukrainian government who wrote op eds that just said, President then-candidate Trump was well, not, against not, Russia. not just You're not, that. You're not—I just want to clarify, because we went through this just a few minutes ago. Are you actually believing the theory that Ukraine and not Russia hack the DNC servers?
10: No, and I don't think that's okay. where you go. I mean, and—but— they're trying to make this a binary choice between Russia and the Ukraine, and that's not what it is. And if you listen to um, Ambassador Hill's testimony, I mean, she had an opening statement, but if you listen to her testimony throughout the course of the day, she acknowledged a lot of these things. Not to put too fine a point on it, but the reason we're talking about the Ukraine is because we've had two weeks of impeachment hearings regarding the Ukraine. Those things are mutually exclusive, and I think the Republicans on the Intelligence Committee did a fantastic job of pointing out that, how Russia interfered with the um, 2016 elections.
2: Would you be comfortable with a Democrat... Or any other other president asking a foreign government to investigate a political opponent.
10: Facts of this thing don't change, and that I mean, and that's part of this. This this president was interested in how Ukraine interfered in the 2016 election. He was inter- interested in the corruption of Ukraine. He's always been skeptical of foreign aid. Um, okay. There was no favor. There was nothing that happened. The the aid so was released. So the answer
2: released. is, you are comfortable.
10: I think the president, I think there's only one person that gets away with talking the way he does, and that's President Trump, and that's why the American people elected him. And that's one thing, again, as you see through all of these conversations that have occurred, is these career so no federal one but employees... no President
2: Trump should be allowed to get away with this?
10: No, I just think President Trump communicates in a way that is the reason why he got elected, because he doesn't do the things the way uh, everybody else does that. And you can tell that's a frustration from where we talk about career federal employees versus President Trump. President Trump said the phone call was perfect. President Zaleski has said... On numerous occasions that he didn't feel a pressure. I do. I think you have the transcript and you have the two principals on the phone call that have stated that. And after that, everything else is really just noise.
2: We have to leave it there. Congressman, thank you for joining us. We'll be back with our legal panel in a moment.
3: Man, that sunset is gorgeous.
2: Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing
7: Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in.
8: Oh, burger time. So
7: sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for
11: you. I could stay here forever.
7: Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today.
2: Joining us now to help... Decipher the Constitution and discuss what might or might not be technically impeachable are CBS News legal analysts. That's Jonathan Turley and Kim Whaley and CBS News White House correspondent Paula Reed, who also covers the Justice Department. Uh, Good to have you all here. Um, I say decipher because there is going to be a debate over how do you define high crimes and misdemeanors, which, along with treason and bribery, are how the Constitution lays out grounds for impeachment. I know because we've been talking all week that you think there is a case to be made for abuse of power. Is that what you think an article of impeachment could be
3: there? I, I think you can make a case out for abuse of power, but you're going to have to do some changes. You've got to reschedule. You've got to reframe this case. And you have to repeat some of this testimony because right now this seems designed to fail. It's an incomplete record. And the problem is you have an audience that is listening just to hear the lines they want to hear. Right. When you step back and look at the whole, it is incomplete, and a member would have a good faith basis to vote against conviction on that basis.
2: Well, you heard Will Hurd uh, of Texas, the congressman, say at the conclusion of the hearing that he was not persuaded. And he's one of the so-called moderate Republicans who people had been hoping might be able to be persuaded to go along with Democrats. And he basically said, I have not heard the case for bribery. Did you hear the case for bribery, Ken?
8: Well, bribery is expressed in the Constitution, and the idea is... The framers did not want people in power using that power for their own personal gain so if that's the definition yes and of course high crimes and misdemeanors is actually broader than just bribery and treason and includes things that can't be crimes. so for example if the president were to move to the kremlin and operate the white house out of the kremlin that wouldn't be a crime (laughs) but we'd say maybe that's impeachable so there's some place in between just doing a bad job and, and crimes and abuse of power. And I think we are squarely in that area right now with this president.
2: You're saying it, it, it's a, it's not, but when people apply their sort of law, law and order courtroom scenario to this particular case, you can't do that. It's not the same legal standard. It's
8: not the same legal standard. And it's really hard to wrap a lawyer's mind, my lawyer's mind, around what more we need, right? Besides directly the president asking for this actual bribe, so to speak, or $400 million will be withheld, White House meeting will be withheld, unless you announce an investigation into my political opponent. So we have interference in the election, again, with by the president or part of uh, with Rudy Giuliani. That's problematic, number one. And asking for foreign interference, which is... Banned by our federal campaign laws, and you're
2: skeptical of this. What well, would you need to for, hear to persuade you?
3: First of all, this is not bribery. Uh, it doesn't. The Supreme Court unanimously rejected this type of interpretation. Unanimously, in, for, in, for in crime. the McGahn case. Right. Right. But, you know, you can't invoke bribery. And then when people point out this isn't bribery, say, well, this is impeachment. It doesn't matter. You're invoking bribery because it's a serious criminal offense. And they don't have a complete record. This is like ha- hearing Hamlet from Rosencrantz and Gildestein alone. You need to talk to the royal family.
8: And
2: it'd be great if the White House would comply with the subpoenas.
3: Well, but well you, I want to yeah.
2: get to Paula on that, because uh, you had Kellyanne Conway here saying they're preparing for all scenarios, Senate trial or if the Democrats just don't move ahead with impeachment. What are they actually planning for?
11: No, this is all about the court of public opinion. As mm-hmm. Kellyanne Conway said, the White House Counsel's office, the attorneys they've hired, they're working on the legal strategy. But for the president, he's approaching this just as he's approached all the other investigations with aggressive messaging. And he is the messenger. But our recent CBS News poll showed about 56 percent of Americans don't think he's doing a very good job, which is why you saw them bring in Pam Bondi, Tony Saig to help with the messaging but it's been interesting this strategy has really divided the west wing While the White House Counsel's Office wants to be very aggressive, protect executive privilege, there are others uh, in the chief of staff's office and elsewhere in the West Wing who want to be more transparent. They feel like, look, if we have nothing to hide, let's be more cooperative. And then the communications staff, uh, the folks who work there every day, they're not very happy they're bringing other people in. So it's unclear if this strategy has actually actually been successful outside or inside the White House.
2: Should we read into the fact that the legal team you just described, that communications team's not here? or anywhere this Sunday.
11: Absolutely. Uh, We saw uh, one of the members of Pam Boddy. She was on CBS this morning, earlier this week. She struggled with the basic facts of this case. So it does not surprise me that we now see Kellyanne Conway, who is one of the most effective advocates for the president, particularly when it comes to to legal investigations, that she is now doing uh, more of the forward messaging. I want
2: to ask you about the other development that we still don't quite have clarity on, which is, A, what Rudy Giuliani's real role is. He's been very vocal in the past 24 hours or so. Um, But also the fact that he himself is now the subject of an investigation. Is that a part of this story that you think needs to be fleshed out before Democrats go any farther?
3: It is. I mean, the Democrats have to decide if, this, if they want a real or recreational impeachment. A real impeachment means calling people like Giuliani and others to appear and then compelling them to appear. You can't create the the, period, the shortest period of investigation in history for an impeachment and then impeach a president for failing to turn over documents in that period because he went to the courts. If that is obstruction for a president to seek judicial review in a conflict with Congress, then you could have impeached every living president, particularly Barack Obama, who made the same type of extreme interpretations when he refused documents of witnesses in Fast and Furious. So, you know, we, we, at some point, adult supervision has to kick in here. And we have to decide, are we really trying to remove this president? And if so, the case has to be made.
2: What is Rudy Giuliani's role, Paula?
11: He is still a member of the president's personal legal team. and he, Even just, though he's under investigation himself? Yes, but he'd been gone quiet for a while. And then he bursts back onto the scene over the last 10 days. And I texted him, I asked him, I said, is this at the direction of the president? And he told me that he takes his instructions from his clients. So it appears even though he is under investigation by the Trump Justice Department for his dealings in Ukraine, the president continues to retain him as one of his personal attorneys, even working on Ukraine. And I have heard, and the president has said publicly, the reason is the president still sees Rudy Giuliani as he was in 9-11. He believes truly that he brings gravitas to his case and to his defense. Well, it definitely keeps us busy.
2: Paula, thank you. <laughs> Thanks to all of us. We'll be back in a moment with our political panel.
9: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits
2: was Bernie Sanders doing some more dancing. I uh, wonder if he'll still be having his time the time of his life. Dad joke uh, with Michael Bloomberg, now in the race. A billionaire, um, he talks a lot about them. We're going to have some analysis now from Rich Lowry. He's the editor of National Review and author of a new book, The Case for Nationalism, How It Made Us Powerful, United, and Free. Tolu Olurunipa covers the White House for The Washington Post. He's also a CNN political analyst. Susan Page is the Washington Bureau Chief of USA Today. And Joel Payne is the Democratic strategist and CBS News contributor. Thank you all for being here. Um, Rich, Michael Bloomberg used to be a Republican. He did. He he does have a a record that he will have to explain uh, in terms of policies when he was New York mayor, stop and frisk and the like. The allegation was nanny state uh, in terms of, you know, restrictions on, Big gulps and things like that. But is he the kind of centrist Democrat that Republicans might be able to warm up to if they're not going to vote for Trump?
12: I think Michael Bloomberg has probably seriously annoyed everyone in the country over some particular issue over the course (laughs) of his career. And just the theory of his campaign here, I've been wrong before, but seems preposterous. Uh, Skipping Iowa or New Hampshire usually doesn't work out well for candidates, but skipping the first four... Uh, contest, and then bludgeoning your way into the race through f- sheer financial force after that, after it significantly gelled, just seems absurd to me and a way to spend a lot of money and make a lot of consultants rich, but not uh, win, win, win many, many delegates.
2: And not any support well, from he has to, he has y- to the y- first. You don't think he's got an actual shot winning at the, Democratic the
12: nomination? Yeah, and prior to this point, early in polling just didn't show very warm feelings uh, um, for him among Democrats to begin with.
2: Joel, is that also your read? I
12: think that's right. I also have the, you know,
6: ridiculous hot take that Democrats like to vote for Democrats. Um, And Mike Bloomberg is famously not a Democrat, he's an independent. Um, I do think that he is trying to build goodwill with the party, not just with all of the ads that he's buying to spread his name, but he's also supporting a lot of Democratic progressive initiatives voter registration. He's spent a lot of money supporting gun control and climate change. So I think he has eased a lot of concerns and allayed a lot of concerns with the leadership of the party. Um, we'll see if that actually turns in the votes. Tom Steyer's tried it. It hasn't worked out. We'll see if it works for Bloomberg.
2: He also supported a lot of Democrats in 2018.
6: He did. He said so that must
2: have won some goodwill.
6: That, that did win some goodwill. And, you know, the, the Bloomberg candidacy is really um, it's a vote of no confidence for Joe Biden. I mean, Joe Biden was supposed to you be You agree
2: with Kellyanne Conway, essentially. <laughs>
6: I mean, essentially, because uh, the, the theory of the case is that Joe Biden was supposed to be the person that owned that moderate middle lane in the Democratic mm-hmm. Party. It, it has not worked out yet, or at least the people behind Joe Biden probably don't feel that way quite yet. There's still time for the former vice president to earn that support, but he's got a lot of competition now with someone like Bloomberg. And by the way, Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, there are other moderates in the race who've come after his support.
2: Susan, I know you're always looking at polls and polling, <laughs> but these hearings just concluded on Thursday. Uh, for people who make the argument that they didn't move the needle, really in favor of Democrats, are, are they making a judgment too soon? And do you think that this impacts the presidential race in any way?
5: You know, I think the needle hasn't moved since the election in 2016. the The needle has been pretty well set for President Trump and for the opponents of President Trump. And I mean, what this is going to be a
2: partisan vote no matter what.
5: Par- it's going it, 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 to be a partisan vote. This is the very reason Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker didn't want to go down the path of impeachment on the theory that you needed it to be bipartisan. That was going to be very, very difficult. Uh, And you needed to persuade the public. That is also very difficult. So I think we end up kind of where we began, that the Democrats are convinced that uh, President Trump is a is uh, a toxic president. uh, And most Democrats, I think, believe that he deserves to be impeached. Republicans are standing behind him. That's where we are. And the, the, the question of what this does in, 20, in 20, the 2020 election is one I think is impossible to answer at this point. I think it is a fool's errand to try to look at the Clinton impeachment or any other mm-hmm. history to try to figure out how this is going to unfold over the next year.
2: Because no sitting president has gone through an impeachment and a re-election at the same time. That's right.
5: And because yeah. we're in such, we're, we're in such uh, unusual times mm-hmm. where we seem so frozen into tribal camps Tolu, uh, you heard
2: Congressman Armstrong make the case that no other president really could talk like this and get away with it, but that's okay. Um, On Friday, we saw kind of an example of how President Trump is vocal and unusual and really undeterred by this entire impeachment process when he gave that nearly hour long interview live on Fox. yeah. What was that?
13: <laughs> that was the president sort of giving his view of this entire impeachment process. And he's e- embracing conspiracy theories that even his staunchest report- re- Republican supporters are not embracing, talking about CrowdStrike and talking about Ukrainian hacking. Uh, it's clear that Other Republicans are going to make excuses for that. They're going to say this is just the president. He still has a hold on our voters. He is someone who uh, has been able to launch himself into the Republican, into the top of the Republican Party and take control of the party. And
2: said he would look forward to a trial in the Senate.
13: Yeah. And for the president, this is a loyalty test. He wants to make sure that he has full loyalty from his party going into 2020. And anyone who breaks apart from him is going to suffer consequences, both from the president's Twitter account and also from his primary voters. So he's been able to coalesce his party behind him. And the fact that you have Republicans saying, oh, this is just the way the president talks, no one else could get away with it, means that you're not likely to see very many Republicans break from him. But independence will be the key. Congressman
2: Himes kind of gave an opening there indicating that they still were holding out hope the White House would Produce documents as part of their mm-hmm. investigation. Is there any change at the White House on that front that we know of?
13: I don't think so. I mean, I think the president will release the documents that he thinks are, are favorable to him, like he released a transcript of the, of the second call um, that, he, that happened in April that didn't really have a lot in, in it. But when it comes to releasing some of these high-profile witnesses and documents that may show what exactly happened, I mean, the White House has not been able to say why they withheld the A. There's been no consistent argument mm-hmm. to explain what, the, what happened, and everyone in the administration was in the dark about this, and I don't think they're going to release anything because I don't know that there's anything that's sort of uh, exonerating for the president to, to show That this was a uh, sort of a well thought out plan to withhold the aid for a specific reason. And the Democrats are saying that the reason was all political.
2: Uh, The RNC chair, um, Ronna McDaniel, said this week, there is an absolute influx of smaller donations since impeachment has ramped that up. Is impeachment helpful to the president's reelection? I don't know.
12: I I think probably he'll be impeached and acquitted and two weeks later it'll feel like old news, the way everything feels like old news. And I think if these hearings were just on par with the Iran-Contra hearings back in the Reagan era, hearings to get the facts out, extract damaging revelations, dominate the headlines, they'd be a home run. The question, though, is whether this particular episode can bear the weight of impeaching and removing a president literally for the first time in our History and to that question, I think the answer is no. Well, removing and you see, right, removing, right. yeah. And uh, on the cusp of a, a reelection, he very well could win. And um, I, I think that's that's the the huge hurdle that Democrats can't get over. They're not getting over even with moderate Trump critics like uh, Representative uh, Will Hurt.
2: So, Joel, I mean, is the DNC also successfully fundraising off impeachment? (laughs) I I
6: think there's been a lot of hand-wringing, the suggestion that Democrats are on the defensive now. all the polling I've seen actually demonstrates that this is still a winner of an issue for Democrats. It's still a plus five or a plus six issue um, for Democrats' across the board. The CBS poll that I saw last week had it at plus 50 percent uh, supporting the inquiry. Even with independents, less than half of them opposed it. Um, I think that um, Democrats are going to be watching what happens in some battleground states. But broadly speaking, the timing here matters also. The fact that this will likely be wrapped up by MLK or... Uh, Groundhog Day, the fact that for 10 months Republicans are probably going to have to run on the idea um, that President Trump wasn't impeached, or rather he was impeached, he wasn't removed, but you still got to run on a record of trying to take away health care from millions of Americans from locking up kids in cages, that's still a record the Democrats are going to push. So there's plenty of
12: time for that to set in. You know, it's only going to be wrapped up so quickly because, per Jonathan Turley's point earlier, they're leaving all the first-hand witnesses off the table, which they could secure if they waited a little bit longer and John litigated Bolton, it. John you're it, talking and, about. Yeah, and Mul- Mulvaney and Pompeo and Do you think they'd Pence? actually be allowed Who to show up? I, I think it'd, it'd be decided by the courts. I think there is a colorable, at least, privilege claim, immunity claim in all these uh, cases, but you'd have to wait two or three months. And they don't want to do that explicitly because it's a political timetable. So they're going to send no an incomplete no case to the in Senate. in two or
5: three months that you'd get these these witnesses. There's no guarantee by the election day you would get these witnesses and Democrats have made the calculation that they've got enough in their mind to impeach the president. So they should so they should move ahead. This helps the president with his base. I think this hurts the president with that sliver, that small group of independent minded swing voters in the middle, many of them suburbanites, white college educated people who voted voted for him last time, abandoned Republicans in 2018. I think it is a mixed blessing for the president. Tolu, what does a Senate trial actually look like?
13: Well, for the president, it looks like trying to get Hunter Biden and trying to get all of these people who would be political opponents of the president to testify and Mm -hmm. dig up dirt on them. But I think for uh, the American people, it could expose some of the things that the president was doing, which does not look good, even if it may not be impeachable in the minds of very many many Americans. Definitely not a positive.
2: That's going to be it for us today. Thank you all for watching. Be sure to join us next week. We will be celebrating a Face the Nation tradition with our holiday book panel. This year's theme is patriotism, politics, and the president. In the meantime, all of you have a very happy Thanksgiving. For Face the Nation, I'm Margaret Brennan. Today's guests were counselor to the president, Kellyanne Conway, Connecticut Congressman Jim Himes, and North Dakota Congressman Kelly Armstrong. The executive producer of Face the Nation is Mary Hager. This broadcast was directed by Allison Hawley. Face the Nation originates from CBS News in Washington.